0: With AI, the only reason behind writing something is because somebody has told it to do so, right? Whereas when a human creates a piece of art, whether that's a book or whatever, what humans are really interested in is the reasons behind why that was created. There's very little new under the sun, but the new stuff comes from those connections. So stop trying to write a perfect first draft, stop trying to take it so seriously, and stop thinking that it's all gotta come from you. And I don't think AI will be able to do that. And if it can, if it does get to the point where it can do that and it has its own reasons, I think perhaps we're all fucked anyway.
1: Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the podcast for people sick of aggressive bullshitty marketing. I'm your host, Louis Gognier. In today's episode, you'll learn how to write a short book without the fluff, so you can stand the fuck out. My guest today helps shy but fabulous business owners write life-changing books, so they stand out like a flamingo at a penguin party. Very nice. Uh, She's co written edited launch books for a lot of successful business owners in the UK. She's also coached them to write and market uh, their own books. More interestingly, though, uh, she has miniature ships who are total dicks, apparently. She has chickens and she lives in a cottage. Uh, it's all wonderful. I can't wait to hear about that part. Vicky Quinn Fraser, welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Louis. Thank you for having me.
1: Why don't uh, you tell me a bit about who shouldn't try to write a book?
0: I have heard a lot from various places on the internet, people who teach this kind of thing. A book will lend you an air of credibility. That really I hate, that really pisses me off. It's like, no, a book is a booster, is a it's a foundation, it's like a it's like a frame for your credibility. It's like writing a book to kind of make yourself seem as if you can do something that you can't. Those people should not be writing a book. Like, if you haven't got the experience, if you haven't got the skills already, don't write about it. That doesn't mean to say that you can't write a book at all. It's like Write about where you are at the moment. Write about where you are in your journey. But don't write a book that kind of positions you as something that you're not. And I do see that happening. I see people kind of thinking, oh, you know, I'm I'm right at the beginning of my journey. How am I going to get more clients? How am I going to make myself seem like more than I am? And it's like trying to jump too far ahead. So it's... So that, I would say those people shouldn't be writing a book. People who just want their book to be a glorified business card. I think that's a waste of trees. And it's like, I've heard people say, oh, I've written this book. It doesn't matter if anybody reads it or not. And that just makes me sad. It's like, well, it does matter if somebody reads it or not. It's like, why bother if, if you don't want people to read it? I don't get that. So if you're just writing a book for a marketing tick box exercise, or because you want it as like a badge of honor or whatever, or something to flog at the back of a room, I would say to those people, you know, part of me is like, do what you want. But I would say, don't come to me. Don't come to somebody who is serious about helping to create more quality books for the world, because there's enough shit out there already. So those people, I would say, don't write a book.
1: So you have a concept that you call microbooks. You know, the way people say this book should have been a blog post. (laughs) Aren't microbooks just well packaged blog posts?
0: I mean, some of them maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, a microbook couldn't have been a blog post as well. But I think books like tangible physical books so I'm not just getting people to write ebooks I'm getting them to write actual physical books as well um, and the thing about a tangible book is it has longevity it sticks in your head it can be the kind of thing that you don't just stick in your pocket but you scribble notes on in the margin as well and that you can't do that with a blog post like there's loads of articles out there I save them I sometimes come back and read them again but if there's an idea that really interests me an idea that I really you know I want to dig into and I want to think about a little bit more that's where I would be like okay well is there a book on this is there something Something that I can take away and read fold the pages down scribble in the margins and and kind of just get a little bit deeper because even though like you say it could just be it could just be a blog post in a book form I think you've still got that bit of extra space and depth to go deeper than a blog post and I think the act of writing it as a book instead of a blog post encourages to dive encourages you to dive even deeper into it as well
1: I think it is important, right? So it's not just the words on the page that are important. It's also the package and the way mm-hmm. it's formatted and presented that will give more perceived value to the to the reader. And yes, in that fact, it is important because if you take two years, three years to write a book or 10 years or whatever, like it's it's your life story, it's your... It's the the insight that you've gathered throughout. It makes sense to just package them in a way that people can really value, right?
0: Another reason why I think it's important is like anyone can chuck out a blog post, right? Anyone can write a blog post, and anyone frequently does. There's a lot of nonsense out there on the internet. There are also a lot of crap books out there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. But I think when somebody sits down and says, "I'm going to write a book. I am going to take this idea. I'm going to really dig into it, and I'm going to put it into a book format." we think about it differently. Like the writer thinks about it differently. The reader thinks about it differently. And it's a hard thing to do, not just like to sit down and write a book. And I know that you'll recognise this. I know you've been writing a book. I've written many books. It's always a difficult thing to do. And anyone who tells you it's easy is either lying or they're doing something that I don't I don't know what they're doing but like that that kind of act of writing a book it changes you because you're like I've done this thing that you know very few people actually do like even in the age of democratization of, of self-publishing and all the rest of it still very few people write a book and writing a book and getting it finished and publishing it out there is an act of bravery um it's a really hard thing to do it's a cool thing to do and it kind of makes you think god what else could I do you know I've done this thing what else could I do and I think for that reason as well it's really important to think about it in terms of don't just put out digital content what else can we do with it and how can we take it deeper
1: so there are between 500,000 and 1 million books published worldwide every year i'm going to do quick math so that's one out of 8000 people publish a book every year so you get you put that in a stadium of 80,000 seats chances are there's only 10 in that stadium who actually have written a published book so that puts P- uh, things into perspective. And as you said, how many of them are shitty books, you know, that someone wrote in a weekend and it's just not the layout is poor. It's, it's, it's just horseshit throughout. So then, mm. you, you know, you remove that and then you have even less people. Before we dive in into how to actually do it, because I know a lot of folks listening want to do it, and I've been thinking about it. A lot of people listening are entrepreneurs, business owners, freelancers, service providers, and they want, they are interested in that idea of a micro book because it's shorter than a 60,000 word type of book. What is the first step, what should they do first?
0: First step is figure out what it is that you want to say. Like, have you got something that is important enough to you to write a microbook? And yes, a microbook is shorter. It's, you know, maybe 10 000 to 15,000 words, but that's still a lot of work. You know, it's still a big thing to do. So I would say, what is the key message that you've got to share? And what is it about that message? What is your take on it that makes it a little bit different? That isn't going to make it just another, just another thing that they could have found anywhere else on the internet. So that, that I would say is the first step. If you can talk passionately about something for 25, 30 minutes and really bring your angle to it, then that I think is the first step.
1: How do you know then that it's a good point of view, something that is spicy enough that you can actually make a book? How do you know?
0: so is it, I guess there's a few ways it's like are you are you regularly having conversations with people about this topic um, and debates you know not not flaming rows but like debates are you challenging other people's thinking with, with what you're with what you're saying so is there something that you have that you believe about your subject that makes people go either I don't like that or huh I've never thought about it like that before so is there some are you talking to people are you getting a bit of attention in terms of you know those conversations that you're having it's not just people kind of nodding along and going yeah 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 that I think is a good place to start those com- conversations to have
1: to reverse engineer what you say on your point of view on this is like you believe that micro books are a very good way to build authority for the right people and so you challenge kind of the traditional uh, way of publishing a very very long-winded book and there's other ways to do it so that's a good example i'm just going to read there is a um, you probably know her uh, west cow i don't know how to pronounce her last name k-a-o she used to work for Seth godin and she i think Works for Maven now, which is a cohort-based course thing. Anyway, in her blog post a while ago, I saved it. uh, She says, a point of view is a perspective others can disagree with. It's a belief you feel strongly about and are willing to advocate for. It's your thesis about topics in your realm of expertise. The goal is to share your truth and start a conversation, not to aim for 100% agreement from everyone you come in contact with.
0: I don't, I don't know why other people go into this, but I don't want people to agree with me all the time, like, I want my point of view to be challenged, so if, if somebody has a dissenting idea and they can give me, you know, a coherent argument or a coherent point of view, I want to hear that, and that's why I read books, I read books by people that I disagree with as well, I read books about stuff that I don't agree with, because the whole point of a book is to transform somebody, right? By the end of the book, that person wants to be slightly different to how they were before, so whether that is, like, giving them a new skill or giving them a new way of thinking about the world, or h- how can you change people's minds? And I I love the idea of books as conversations and not just as somebody standing there and going, here is what I think, this is gospel, this is the way things are, the one true truth. It's like, no, this is my point of view, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it.
1: You do want to serve customers and people, you do want to kind of solve their problems, their pains or whatever. But on the other hand, you also need to like be yourself and bring that kind of ethos, that essence, that point of view that makes it spicy, right? And it's Mm. always the tension, I feel, is is happening a lot. And too many people who, who write books that are boring or do things that are boring that no one noticed. Just really forget about that side. to be yourself and just do and say stuff that everyone else is without changing anything.
0: And that's where storytelling comes in as well, of your experience, yes, your point of view, but also a story because a lot of people think of non-fiction books, especially business books, as being, oh, it has to be a lesson, it has to be a how-to, it has to be this, that and the other. I would much rather hear how somebody came to learn this thing and, and the experiences they had and the struggles they had and weave that story into it. When I write about writing, I write about my struggles with focus, with ADHD, with all of that kind of And so I know that when other people read that they're gonna be like this person is not gonna just regurgitate all of the typical productivity and writing advice Because it doesn't bloody work for me She's gonna have tried a bunch of other stuff And she's gonna have come up with things and she's gonna have some suggestions that maybe I won't have tried And so there's that kind of bringing that personality in telling those stories so that you can make the connection with the people that you want to Connect with you can leave behind that worry then about I don't know I know a lot of people worry about getting yelled at they worry about people hating them all of that kind of thing I think when you start to tell your story story and tell the truth of your story that's when you can start to leave that behind because it's like I'm not being controversial for the sake of it you're not trying to poke the bear you are just sharing your point of view your true real life experience and people can't really argue with that and and when you put it out there you will gather people towards you who have either had a similar experience or who feel like oh I want to know more about this person and are interested to take that journey with you and I think it's that taking that journey with you rather than standing there and yelling at people and hoping that they're just going to agree with you
1: Something that I've learned going into that topic a lot is that a good point of view is something that is there to serve a specific group of people that you want to serve, right? It's there to protect them. It's there to take their side and say, hey, I'm with you. And yes, others outside of that group won't necessarily understand or agree, but that's not the point, right? So that's the first thing that I think was, is super powerful. The second one is a concept called the shadow of the future, which basically tells you that species, animals in general, in the animal kingdom, who want to collaborate with one another, show that in the short term they're willing to take a hit, giving something away or whatever, in order to be trusted in the long term. And point of view is, is just like that. You are willing to say, hey, I disagree with this, I challenge this, which is the short term thing, you really take hate for it. But in return, the people that you seek to serve will trust you more because you're showing term behavior. It's deeply ingrained, I believe, in our DNA and the way we are as animals first, right? I think the main difference between boring brands, boring books, and actually things that are sticky. Going back to that step, when you work with a client, when you work with someone, how do you do it then? Like, what question do you ask them?
0: people are always nervous as well and that's a barrier they've always got that inner voice being like well who are you to tell your story i start off by asking them about where they've come from how they've come to this idea why it's important to them and i think like that getting to the heart of why this is important to them helps them to forget the other stuff and it helps them to forget about what other people are going to think um it helps them to get rid of that inner voice that's like you're not a writer you're not good enough to do this that and the other because as soon as you get to the heart of why is this thing important to you that it sets them off on this like oh it's just like a reminder because i know that i sometimes forget and that's why i love doing interviews like this because you will remind me why I'm so passionate about what I do we tend to forget it. it's like if we do something if we've got an idea that we work on every day we forget why it's important to us and so when we sit down to write that book I think something weird happens it's like oh now I have to now I have to be a writer and I have to write this book and you lose sight of the initial idea and the initial reason behind it and so I take people back to that it's like why is this important to you tell me about it you know tell me Tell, t- talk to me as if I've never seen it before um, I will disagree with people as well I will poke them I will ask them awkward questions um, and I will have that debate with them it's like you know come on tell me convince me of this idea.
1: Okay what's the second?
0: The second is to get them to um, have a think about who's reading the book so I'd like to think about the the writer journey is what we start with um, and the reader journey is what I go to next so it's like okay you've got this idea it's really important to you why should it be important to me you know what transformation do you want the reader to have by the time they get to the end of the book so I start with thinking about that then it's like how do you not just what do you want them to learn but how do you want them to change and this is a concept that carries from fiction into non-fiction into any kind of storytelling like some something has to change somebody has to change between the start and the end of the story right that's that's what we have to do so in this it's not so much a character that we're writing about although it might be but it's the reader how is the reader going to change and then we're looking at how do we get them from this point to this point over here. It's like, what do they need to know? And they don't need to worry at this point about structure, about the order of things, about, you know, oh, I need to have my table of contents ready. It's simply, how do I get the reader from here to here?
1: What type of change are we talking about?
0: For some people, it's a change in mindset. And this, one of the main reasons that I think about people writing microbooks is because a microbook can be that first step before they actually learn a skill. It's like, well, actually, before they learn the skill, what do they need to know? What do they need to understand? Do they need to change their mind about something? Because if somebody isn't in the the frame of mind to learn a new skill or, you know, a a new, you know, a a new whatever, then there's just no point in trying to teach it to them, right? So it's like, do they need, what do they need to understand in order to be able to learn the thing that I want to teach them, if that's the kind of book they're writing. For other people, it might be, I'm writing about my lived experience because I want people to understand what it's like for me and so that might be just like an empathy task so you know by the time they get to this book I want them to have just a tiny idea of what it might be to live in my shoes for other people it might be they're writing for somebody who's already got the mindset thing but they've all of the stuff out there already is too advanced so it's like what's the very the smallest possible thing that you could get somebody to do that they can't fail at um, and get them and maybe that's the transformation by the end is like oh I've now got this tiny skill that will enable me to do all of this stuff later on.
1: So mindset, empathy, the smallest thing they can do uh, is kind of the change. And so you didn't really mention anything about, um, I'm air-coating now, uh, personas and stuff like that, right? It's not about that. It's more like, you know, the change that you're seeking to make in their head. And how far do you go then to describe who's going to read the book? Like, what what do you tend to to have?
0: If you've already got a customer persona that's possibly a good place to start but i always think of what type of person do i envisage reading this book and the demographics might be wildly different for people um but the character traits that the and it's again it's kind of thinking about what do i want the outcome to be and why do i want that outcome to happen so and that's going to inform the type of person that you are writing for so for instance the books that I write they're mostly aimed at people with neurodiversities or entrepreneurs with short attention spans or whatever or people who don't think that they can write for whatever reason um, and those that could be like a massive kind of broad group of people but within that broad group of people it's going to be a very specific kind of personality type a very specific character type so I don't find it so useful to think of things in terms of demographics and kind of traditional marketing avatars but it's more about that outcome and and the kind kind of person that I want to talk to.
1: At the time we're recording this episode I'm actually editing the book, the Stand the Fuck Out book. Uh, and so what you said there is exactly the reason why I'm writing it. I'm writing it First for myself because I simply could not find the answer to the question I was looking for, which is how do you make small business owners who don't have a lot of resources actually differentiate themselves from others without using fluffy, shady tactics? It connects with them, you know, to their to their story or what they believe. It's a long question, but it's an impost. Like there was no resources whatsoever. That had this the answer, and yeah, I worked my ass off to try to answer it. And so I think when it comes from within, when it when it's for you first, it's a very good step. Do you have another example of um, maybe a client you work with or something you've seen in the wild of like what you feel is a good definition of? you know who should read this book
0: she's not a client of mine actually um but she has been on my podcast her name is Sharon Hurley Hall and she writes about anti-racism on LinkedIn and she wrote her book for two sets of people she wrote it for white people who wanted to become anti-racist and learn about racism and how how to how to kind of fight it in their everyday lives but she also wrote it for people who look like her as well because um she wanted them to feel seen it was kind of a dual purpose with her book she had two groups of people in mind and as far as so I've obviously read it I've interviewed her for me that works really really well because it speaks to me but it also because it's speaking to other black people like her it's also speaking you know it's giving me that it's giving me that point of view as well and kind of drawing me in to the empathy thing as well as giving me tools that i can use um as i as i kind of read and as i want to go on and make changes in the world as well
1: right okay um so we don't step one why is it important to them who's going to read that book what's next
0: the next step is to look at that reader journey and start to think about what steps we need them to take so we've got here's where they start here's where you want them to be at the end what do they need to know in between here and there and able to in in order for them to get there so that's when we start thinking about okay what are the main you've got this idea what are the main points of the idea that you need to share like what are the key messages what are your opinions your experiences what are the stories that you need to tell to get people from a to b
1: so what does it look like typically when it's done like is it a do you put that in a word document a few pages on paper like what's the end product usually
0: one of the things i don't do is say to people you must use this tool um or you must use this tool my aim always is to get people writing in whatever way is easiest to them so if they write in google docs use a google doc if you write in scrivener which is great because you can move things around um use scrivener if you are a colored pencils and paper and post-it notes type of person use those i like visual stuff so i quite like being able to write my main points down on a post-it note and move them around on a bigger piece of paper for me that's really useful but i also like the electronic version scrivener you can do that with the electronic cards you can just move them around and google keep which i recently discovered is also really useful for that because you can move the little thingies around and and so it can be very visual or it can be very linear and and i would say whatever works for you like i'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is the one way to do it because that's just going to stop people from Writing.
1: And what about the structure itself? So, when you see that thing, whatever format it's on, when do you know it's a good place to stop?
0: So, for the structure, when I usually know that, it's a, that I can kind of start writing, and again, this will be different for everybody, um, but when I feel like there is nothing more that I can add without it becoming fluff and filler and when there is nothing missing. And I will usually get somebody else to just have a look at the structure at this point. Um, my husband's a pretty good sounding board, so I will say to him, does this make sense? Is there anything missing? And he'll be like, well, you have just jumped from here to here and there's a big chunk missing here. So I'll run it past somebody, just the structure, and I'll just make sure that there, there's, you know, it's not expanding, it's not bloating. And at that point, I'll think, you know what, I can start writing and then I will pick a part of it, not necessarily the first part, and start writing. Other times... um. And I know not everybody is a planner. So, you know, for some people I'll say, you know what, if you just want to start writing, start writing it's like start writing about why you want to write this book and that can that can help you to to draw a structure out of it because it's like i'm writing this book because blah 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 and that can help you to kind of draw that structure out on the reader journey and once you've got a little bit of that you can dig into it then with a highlighter pen or whatever and start okay there's a key idea there's a key idea there's another one i feel like i've missed something here it's really like have i got this full picture is there anything missing is there anything that i could take out
1: sounds a bit like journaling right you basically trick your mind to say you're not writing a book here. you're just fucking putting your thoughts on paper and just letting it go which is something i tend to do when i'm lost i either write it or i just put it on the computer and just start to fucking the first thing i tend to do is i curse a lot so i write cursing (laughs) i fuck that fuck that fuck that i can't seem to find any ideas and what i want you know and then after a few paragraphs of stuff that make no sense the brain has let go of those thoughts, and then you have the true essence that comes through and it becomes interesting. So that reminds me of that. Do you do journaling uh, as a way to get ideas?
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I do. I do a very similar thing to you. I do a lot of swearing when I can't think of um, what I want to say. So I've, that's very familiar to me. But the other thing I do, and I don't think. I don't think a lot of people think of this because when you get bogged down in, I've got writer's block or whatever you want to call it. I can't do the thing that I want to do. That's often where people stop. It's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to go and do something else. Or I can't do it. And I'm just going to kind of rant about it, which is also valid. But I think also what people can do, what I do is like, actually, why, you know, why am I stuck here? What is it that's that's getting me stuck? And kind of digging into that on paper is really, really useful because we think we know what's got us stuck sometimes, but actually it's something entirely different. So digging into that is a really useful exercise because A, you're going to get some interesting stuff and interesting thoughts. And B, you're going to be able to figure out, like, why am I stuck and then work through it? Because like trying to work through a block that you don't know what's caused it is, is really difficult, if not impossible. So I also get people to think about why they're stuck and really dig into that instead of just going, I'm stuck. What am I going to do?
1: That's that's really good. And I think we're touching on the biggest problem here, right? Which is, I, I don't think it's that difficult for people to kind of figure out why it's important to them. I mean, the point of view it is a bit difficult, but like, it's not the the toughest. It's not the toughest to figure out who's going to read that book. Because especially if you come in from your perspective, like, why am I trying to solve that thing? Not that difficult to come up with a structure. I mean, it's, you know, you can have it yeah. in a conversation or whatever. What's difficult for people clearly is to write that fucking thing. So what do you say to them when they are at this stage of this is it now blank page stuff like that
0: i send them back to if they've got their kind of reader journey or their their outline i will send them back to that and be like Are you trying to write it from the beginning? Because if you are, then maybe that's not working for you. So just pick a thing that you want to write about today. So that's one thing that I'll do is I think people think they have to write it in sequence and they don't. You can write it in whatever order you want. So I'll be like, what do you feel like writing today? And at some point, yes, you're going to have to write the whole thing. But, you know, today in this moment, let's just start with the thing that you want to write about that's going to be fun. I will also get them to have a conversation with somebody about it, like actually speak out loud, because I think sometimes just the act of writing itself, if somebody doesn't consider themselves to be a writer, that can be really intimidating which also leads me on to another thing it's like stop trying to bloody write it down it's like voice notes are a thing speak it into voice notes I know a lot of people who write books using voice notes parts of my books are written using voice notes I don't do it all on paper I don't do it all on a word processor you know if you're stuck go for a walk take your voice recorder with you and speak it you know, imagine that you're having a conversation with somebody, which is another method. It's like, okay, so I'm stuck. I'm trying to write this book and be like a writer, an important writer. It's like, imagine actually instead that you're having a conversation with somebody about it. Imagine that they're questioning you about it. Write yourself an interview. You know, imagine that imagine that you're coming on the Everybody Hates Marketers podcast and Louis is interviewing you about your book. And it's like, and ask yourself awkward questions and then have to answer them because that's a really, really good way of, of kind of just getting over that block. You might not use it all. that's okay and that's another thing that i would say to people is like we think oh when i'm writing the book the first draft it needs to be really good no it's a shitty first draft it's called a shitty first draft for a reason you cannot edit a blank page like aim to write shit and i find that to be a really useful thing it's like stop trying to write something good and just aim to write shit because often it will turn out to be better than you think it is anyway and you'll have something you can use
1: I was hoping you would say that because this is the single, I think, most impactful thing for people who are creating art in the way we defined it earlier. People outside of our space, people who don't create art in any way, shape or form. When they see artists producing work, what they imagine it to be is those super talented people who nail it in the first try. They they picture those authors who wrote the book in the first go. They picture those dancers who like learned the choreography in one go. Charlie Chaplin was known actually for retaking and retaking the same scene more than 200 times on average. Apparently, right? Yeah. He's seen as this mad genius. You know, you don't really know his story, but then you realize no. He's not a fucking genius. He just worked his ass off and he fucking took the same scene 200 fucking times. So that puts things into perspective and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the shitty first draft. That helped me tremendously to write daily emails, write the book or whatever. It's like the first step is always after the outline is like just I'm going to write it like, you know, I'm thinking in my head and there's no fucking editing there. There's no uh, judging. I'm just writing shit. And then the day after, I look at it and edit it and straight away it's like boom 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 it's just much, much faster sorry for going this passionate rant but this is uh, to me I think this is the crux of it
0: you're absolutely right and I, I did know that about Charlie Chaplin he, did, he, but I know that like other people modern people do the same thing and it's like you know the more you do it and I like using Stephen King as a, a, an example here just because he's so prolific it's like it almost certainly takes him less time to write a book now than it did when he first started but that's the point he's been doing this for like 40 years or whatever and so like don't look at the person who's producing something and A think that you should be able to do it that quickly and b that it was any good at all on the first try because it was almost certainly not so there's that shitty first draft thing and I think related to that as well is allowing people like allowing yourself to have fun with it and this is this is kind of related to that it's like just you know I say to people when it's like oh I don't know what to call my book it's like okay come up with a hundred titles and just make them as stupid as you can like really come up with stupid stuff and it's the same with like ideas for books ideas for whatever it's like allow yourself to play with it it's like come up with the most ridiculous ideas that you can possibly think of and then see where they lead because it's like we're not trying to get that first idea that's the final idea it's like where is it going to lead me and what can I then do with it it's making connections and like look at what other people are doing as well because there's nothing you know there's very little new under the sun it's like but the new stuff comes from those connections so stop trying to write a perfect first draft stop trying to take it so seriously um, and stop thinking that it's all got to come from you you know those are the three for me those are the three most important creative things it's like allow, allow yourself to write shit, allow yourself to play and allow yourself to be influenced by other people, because that's where the best stuff comes from.
1: Yeah, that's something I see a lot as well, which is like, I'm gonna write that thing and it needs to be unique and original. And so therefore, anything that's others have already mentioned, I can't mention, right, which is the wrong way to think about it. Instead, it's like, it's better to think you're standing on the shoulder of giants. Uh, you've learned, you've been influenced throughout your life by people, and it's okay. Like, it's about, exactly as you said, creativity is connecting things that shouldn't be connected together. Uh, Allow yourself to play, allow yourself to, to write shitty stuff or to come up with shitty stuff.
0: Yeah, I apply all that to, I do trapeze as well. I apply all that to trapeze performances and the stuff that I come up with there. And I use that as well in my writing. And it's like, if I'm going to choreograph something for myself, how am I coming coming up with that? What's my process? What am I looking at? What am I thinking about? And I bring that into what I write as well. And I think that everybody can do that. It's like, whatever your hobby is, whatever you do outside of work, um, if it's even remotely creative, and I firmly believe that literally everything is creative, it's like, bring it into your writing as well. Like, bring it into the book you're writing or the email you're writing or the articles that you're writing or the work that you're doing with your clients bring all of yourself if you can into what you do and how can you use it and how can you change people's thinking how can you change your own thinking and how can you come up with stuff that is new because like it's not that you're coming up with a new and unique idea it's your perspective and your experience on that and what you've put together that's what's that's what makes it unique
1: yeah it's the intersection of the things not the things themselves so it's exactly. not about taking all the components and thinking, oh, I can't use these components they have been used before. It's, no, it's how can you make it something new with those components that already exist? And that changes the game, right? So, uh, you know, I think of my dad, right, who's a retired teacher. And it's it's funny when I talk to him about, you know, what I do is it, it's really foreign as a concept to, hold on, you're writing a book even though you don't know everything about the topic, or are you interviewing people even though they might know more than you and you know it's it's like something so foreign so you definitely have to train your brain about it i'm the only entrepreneur in my entire family like the entire family tree i don't think there's any other they're all teachers Same. so there you go so you understand
0: you just touched on something else that i think stops people from writing it's like this idea that you have to know everything about what you do before you can write a book and it's like well a that's never going to happen you're never going to know everything about what you do nobody is and b as long as you're not positioning yourself as the person who knows everything um and some people do that and those are not good people in my view but but like, as long as you're not positioning yourself there and you're like, this is what I know, this is my truth, this is what I know, this is what I can share, then there's nothing wrong with being like at the start of your journey or the middle of your journey or the end of your journey, as long as you're honest about it, right?
1: There is a, a thought that helps me a lot when I, I tend to struggle with this. Uh, sometimes when my anxiety takes over, new people come in into the world every day, right? Like literally being born, but also entering a career, starting an entrepreneur journey or whatever. And those people will have the same problems that you used to have, will struggle with the same questions to answer that, that you now know for sure. And and so it's it's not a the world is, evolves and new people come in and so you always need to show up for them. Because you will do them a disservice by not showing up. You will do them a disservice by not sharing your story. You'll do them a disservice by not sharing your point of view. You'll do them a disservice by just not writing that fucking book
0: it's not about showing off writing a book is not about showing off how much we know it's about sharing what we've got that might help somebody else and so there's the curse of knowledge right it's like I know all this stuff and you forget that the really foundational stuff the really beginner stuff actually people don't know that they don't know what you know and so that can be incredibly transformational for people I get really I get really really anxious about all sorts of things as well but like particularly about that kind of oh what if you know what if somebody asks me something and I don't know the answer and it's like well that's okay actually because I don't have to write about it and then I can go and learn about it and so I think that anxiety for me I'm starting to learn to channel that into I'm really worried about not being good enough so I'm going to continually make sure that I'm learning new stuff and getting better whatever better means at what I do Um, and you know I get really anxious about the first book that I wrote which was near the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey and I'm like oh my god there's so many so many things in there that I wouldn't say now but then I still get letters from people who had just at the start of their journey and they're like oh my god this book has really helped me and so it's like it's okay because the people that I wrote it for are still going to read it. And the people that I didn't write it for are never going to look at it. And that's OK.
1: <laughs> Moving on to this very passionate portion of the interview. How long should it take to write a book?
0: Oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> how, long is a, how long is a piece of string? How long has it taken to write your book?
1: If you're thinking of the research, which took me a year and a half, I would say. Probably two years and a half.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that's... And yours is a, a you know, 60,000... It's a chunky book, right? It's a big book. But I've also helped people to write their book in six to eight months and it's been a chunky book, you know, it's been a, a sixty to eighty thousand word book. I'm doing micro books with people at the moment, and probably about a third of those have got their micro book kind of written and ready to publish within four to six weeks. A few more are taken a couple of months. So it really depends. It depends on a lot of things. And I don't I don't like saying to people it's gonna take you this long to write a book because, you know, somebody might have all the time in the world to spend on a book and somebody else might have twenty minutes a day. And that's what I would really like people to take away from this is that you don't need to have like two solid months to get a cabin in the woods or whatever and that's the only way you're going to write a book if you've got 20 minutes a day you can write a book if you organize your time and you know what you're doing and you you make time to do it and you make the plan and you know what you have to do and i'm not saying like rigidly schedule yourself but like you said you spent a year and a half researching you might be like i want to spend six months researching this and then i want to spend this much time outlining it, and this much time Doing the first draft or whatever you can you can kind of give yourself I do think it's a good idea to have deadlines so that it doesn't go on forever but also that you can kind of not beat yourself up if you don't meet those deadlines so I think that's probably not a very helpful way to answer that question but I don't like saying to people it's going to take you this long to write a book because I think then if people don't do it they think they're a failure and that's not the case at all
1: that's exactly why I asked you the question I knew I knew it wasn't an easy answer (laughs) so let's say we've written the first draft it's there it's done like what's the next step
0: So I would walk away from it for a couple of weeks if you can. Um, You've got your first draft. Don't look at it, don't think about it, put it in a drawer, leave it alone. If you're on a tight deadline, leave as much time as you possibly can between writing it and editing it because you want to give it that breathing space, you want to get out of your own head, you want to go and get a few fresh ideas because most people kind of immerse themselves in the book, then come back to it and look at what you've done in a, maybe in a bit more of an objective manner and you can see what's missing, what's in there that doesn't need to be, what makes no sense at all, what are the really good bits? And you can then come back to it with that kind of, those fresh eyes.
1: When I read the manuscript, I was like, this is just, I'm talking a lot, right? And I can easily remove 60, 70% of that thing, right? Simplify okay. it, simplify it, simplify it. And that feels way less overwhelming than the process before. So now that I have stuff in front of me, I can play with it. And I can mold it. I can simplify. And just like my brain really lost that. But fuck, the, the first few... Hours of working on this and having almost nothing and you're like, fuck, when is it going to end? Like, this is, you know, this is why you need to have a routine, a process. What saved me was to have a system where it doesn't matter how long it takes me. What matters is that I show up and I do little yeah. things every day, right?
0: People say, oh, I can't find time. We don't find time for stuff like this, we make time for it. And I think that's really important is like put that time aside. And for me, I schedule it as if I was working with a client. Like I would not flake out on a client coaching call. So I'm not going to flake out on myself. I mean, occasionally I do, I'm not perfect, but it's like I'm much less likely to if I schedule it in. So respect yourself enough to do it as well it's like you know don't allow yourself to be distracted by other people do whatever you have to do to even if it's only 20 minutes and carve that time out and i also like what you said about you've got like all of this stuff to work with you've, you've got like and maybe you're gonna kit. 50, 60, 70% of it, that's fine. It's like, you don't have to throw it away forever. Some of that stuff might be useful elsewhere. But I do think it'd be useful to give people a bit of an insight into how I start editing. It's not how everybody starts, but like how I start is, is I find it useful. It's I will go back to that reader journey and outline and I'll have that next to me as I'm reading through my book. And it's like, A, does the outline still make sense having given it a bit of space because you can change it. Like don't, <laughs> your outline is not set in stone, it can change. Um, and B, if it does still make sense, how does my first draft look when I put them side by side? It's like, does it, you know, what do I need to move? What's, is there anything missing? Is there too much here? Can I take this out? And that is a really good place to start because it means that you're not just looking at this mass of words and thinking, jeepers, where am I going to start with this? Because it isn't, it's daunting because <laughs> you've got all of this stuff. It's like, how do I start editing it? Have the outline, have the massive words, and then just start putting them together and, and see what I can take out, change or add.
1: Okay, and maybe finally, as the last step we can cover today, what do we do next?
0: Some people like to do a couple of edits before they let anybody else look at it. I like to do one big edit and then I put together a group of beta readers which is super useful. This is particularly useful for people on a tight budget who can't afford a professional editor. I would always say if you can afford a professional editor pay for one because they are worth their weight, the good ones. But if you can't and even if you even if you can you should still do this is is get your beta readers. So like don't just send them a manuscript and be like what do you think of this because they'll come back and say oh loved it which is nice but not helpful. So it's like have a series of questions that you want to ask people. Tell them not to worry about typos and grammar, although they will because people love pointing out typos, but ask them, you know, does it flow? Does it make sense? Is there anything missing? Is there any, is there too much? Have I gone into too much detail? Um, Have I started in the right place? And for me, with my book, the beta readers were invaluable because I had started in the wrong place. So my first chapter did not end up being my first chapter because one of the beta readers was like, this feels like too much to start with. And so that was so useful because it was a much better book for having kind of run it through them. So make sure that you've got these questions. It's like, what do you want to know? What do you want your beta readers to do for you? Um, Try not to have too many other Like professional writers as your beta readers because what happens then is they will read it and be like i wouldn't have written it like this and so you will get feedback that is more about tone and style than it is about content but you want to choose people who are in your target readership depending on who you're aiming your book at if you have people who are about the same level in business as you they might look at it from their point of view and be like oh this is too simplistic that's fine but that's not who it's aimed at so think about who you're writing the book for and try and get those people to help you as beta readers
1: So There's a good book about that, which is called Write Useful Books by Rob Fitzpatrick, who also wrote uh, The Mom Test. And he has a portion on beta readers that I would recommend everyone to read. I'm just going to read the specific piece of feedback you asked for beta readers. So he says instead, um, uh, the most useful feedback is about stuff like where you get confused or lost or have an unanswered question, where you disagree or have different experiences, where you start to get bored and feel like skipping ahead or giving up, anything you find especially interesting or helpful that changes thing from what do you think to like you really direct them and you need yeah. to have a thick skin it's not about it's not about you as a person uh, it's really about yeah. the art the craft the thing so yeah. you're not the book
0: i've come up with a technique that works really well for me is like when i first get feedback from anybody <laughs> i will allow myself 10 minutes to have a 10 tantrum about it and be really offended uh, i will do that and then i will come back to it and i'll read it again and i will remember that i asked for this feedback it's like I asked for this feedback so that I can make this thing better. And then I'll read it in that that kind of vein. And I'll also remember that I don't have to take all of the advice that people come back with. I don't have to take on board all that criticism. If I disagree with it, that's fine. If it's something that's going to make the book better that I feel is going to make the book better, I will use it. If it's something that I don't, I'll be like, thank you very much. Off it goes. You don't have to use it all.
1: Great. Okay. So we've covered a lot of ground. You're clearly passionate about your stuff and you know your stuff, which is really good. So I'm going to try to just repeat briefly the what we described. So step one, why is it important to them? Step two, who's reading the book? Step three, write a structure, like do a bit of journaling. Step four, get the thing outside of, of your head through like conversation, voice notes. Go for a walk, ask yourself questions. Let yourself be influenced by others. Let yourself play with this and let yourself write shitty stuff write the fucking thing, edit it, (laughs) remove what's not needed and then I'm forgetting the last step.
0: Criticism, taking criticism and and how to use the criticism.
1: What's the point of writing a book now that we have AI tools that can do it for us?
0: Yeah, so this is really interesting, actually. I'm glad you asked this, because I was just writing about this the other day. Um, and I know that a lot of people are kind of worried about, oh, is AI going to take over my job and all the rest of it? Actually, I think the point of it is that I'm, I was thinking about this in terms of art. And I know that when when we're talking about books for entrepreneurs, we're not necessarily talking about kind of writing a novel or writing a memoir or whatever. But it's still, I still think of it as art. I still think of it as something that we're creating and putting out there. And with AI, the only reason behind writing something or creating a piece of writing is because somebody has told it to do so right it's been given parameters it's been told to do this whereas when a human creates a piece of art whether that's a book or a painting or whatever I think what humans are really interested in is the reasons behind why that painting or that book or the memoir or whatever was created it's like yeah but okay why that landscape why that still life why this book particularly why did this entrepreneur decide to write this book about this aspect of business or this aspect of marketing and it's that deeper reason behind it that's interesting and I don't think I don't think AI will be able to do that and if if it can if it does get to the point where it can do that and it has its own reasons I think perhaps we're all fucked anyway I just did you know, was I was being a bit facetious but just in the sense of kind of the robot overlords and you know when AI becomes sentient what happens then I don't know much about that other than what I've seen in sci-fi movies and things but and you know that might be really interesting as well and I would be really interested to see what an AI who had sentience could come up with and what their reasons behind it would be but again that to me, wouldn't really be AI writing it. That would be a sentient being writing something. And then, again, it comes back to that, well, why? Why Why are they writing it? What's the reason behind it?
1: It's interesting you're using the word art to define book writing, even in a non-fiction world, right? Like business books. Mm. Uh, I don't think that many people would describe a business book as art. I do agree with your definition because I do see art, I think, the same way than you do, but I don't want to influence you. So can you tell me, how would you define art then? Like wh- what is the difference between art and something generated by an AI?
0: I would define art as coming from a steep need or a, an, in, an idea that comes from within a person that they feel like they have to share and that they, they want to create and put out there for other people to share. It's like put out there as a gift almost. And I know that there are a lot of reasons for writing books, a lot of reasons for entrepreneurs to write books. But I think one of those reasons can be, I've got this idea. I think there's something beautiful about it and I want to share it with the world.
1: So in that case, you know, usually when people talk about art, we talk about, they think, painting and stuff like that, or sculptures. Mm. But yeah, I agree that like, as soon as it's your gut, as soon as you're putting yourself out there, and it's not real until others see it. And that's the beauty of art. It's like, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. And it's such a transcending experience. You know, when you start creating things instead of just consuming them, when you start really putting stuff out there and how people react to it, it's just such a... It's such a buzz, like it gives you so much energy. And I think this is a true form of art. And yeah, I really struggle to see how AI will change that. If anything, it will probably push humans to do even more art because, you know, at this stage, we'll have something to compete against and this will be the true differentiation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, we can... I've seen some amazing art that's been created by AIs and I've seen some really interesting pieces of writing as well. But what I think is really going to be useful for AI is, is kind of people using it to come up with new ideas and put in you know just like put these two things together saving us time for goodness sake if an AI can write a sales letter better than we can let it get on with it do you know what I mean and that can leave us to kind of do the more interesting stuff and the more creative stuff it's like okay well let's try and put this thing and this thing together add my experience into it and then put it out there for people. That to me is far more interesting than a book of regurgitated ideas or a, you know, an, an article of regurgitated ideas. It's like, well, what's your experience of it? And AI can do a really good job of putting together facts and figures and a how-to list. But what it can't do is like, well, why, is, why, why have you chosen to write about this thing? What's your experience of it? And how can your angle and your lens help somebody else who might be a little bit like you? That, that to me is what's really important and interesting.
1: What do okay. you think... Our listeners should learn today that will help them in the next 10, 20, 50 years.
0: I think we need to just learn how to be more bloody interesting, how to put things together. We need to learn, you know what art is, why we care about it, why we care about stories. And we need to learn about as many different things as possible. Um, you know, read really widely. I'm reading Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake at the moment. It's about fungus. It's so interesting. And it's making me, it's changing the way I think about what communication is, what life is, what sentience is. And so there's all of these ideas about what makes things that, you know, we, we think we know so much and we do, but we also know nothing at all. So read really widely, be more interesting, do things that are interesting that you can write about and, and use that, reading and watching and listening to make connections that other people aren't making and then write about them.
1: What are the top three resources you'd recommend listeners today?
0: Read and listen and watch widely outside your industry, outside your immediate field of interest. Pay attention to people and ideas you disagree with and seek them out, like get out the echo chamber. Read stuff that you wouldn't normally do. A Notebook and pencil. I journal on everything. Um, I write everything down partly because I forget things very quickly, but also because when I write them down, I can write down why i'm writing them down as well so it's not just i want to remember this thing it's like why was this thing important to me so notebook and pencil question all my beliefs that way and thirdly find a group of people that you can trust to bounce ideas off of so they need to be people who aren't afraid to call you out on your bullshit people who aren't afraid to question your ideas and beliefs and plans but also people who are like going to ride and die for you if if you need them to like people who are going to have your back in the best way possible
1: Great. Well, that was an hour-packed interview. So if people really want to learn more from you, connect with you, what where should they go?
0: Uh, they should go to my website, which is moxibooks.co.uk. Um, I've got a email newsletter, which I send out two or three times a week. Also on LinkedIn. If you look for Vicky Quinn-Fraser, I'm there. Find me on Instagram and Twitter as well.
1: Well, once again, thank you very much, Vicky.
0: Thank you so much, Louis. It's been a pleasure.
1: quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Kendall said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit there. There's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the, I fucking love this email button. Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway.